that you could join us for this very special snow episode. This would be episode 92 of Fatalist. My name is Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, and got an, un well, maybe not unexpected day off, but day off nonetheless. Yeah. Would you call that, then, this is maybe the Episnode? Oh, nice. Episnode 92. I love it. <laughs> there we go. But, uh, yeah, so we're recording uh, 11 o'clock in the morning, and that will free us both up. Well, it'll free me up to watch the debut of Agent Carter tonight. I guess it sounds like you've got hockey, and you may or may not be home in time. Uh, okay. Yeah, I think we will be. Games are, but, you know, again, it also depends. you got to... Team, other teams coming out from Easton, so whether they'll be able to make it out or not, I think is the question. Well, anyway, we'd love to hear from you guys uh, via email, fatalistpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can go to the website, fatalist.podbean.com, where you can leave a voicemail via the speak pipe tab, or just record your own audio clip and send the MP3 as an attachment. Tonight, we're here to discuss Season 5, Episode 5 of Lost Girls, starring Anna Silk, Chris Holden-Reed, and Zoe Palmer. You know, Wayne, it was... Uh, a really good episode, but before we get too far, I don't want to forget to once again thank Taltos for sending the enhanced screen caps, which definitely add a lot, and I forgot to send it to you. Uh, I, yeah. yeah, same. You send so many of us time. at this point are geo-blocked, and eh, you know what? It is what it is. The episode's called It's Your Lucky Fay," written by Lee Lukens, uh, directed by Paulo Barsman, and it aired on January 4th. 2015 one of the few shows that's not taken a holiday break which is definitely good for us yeah or not so, but yeah yeah, nah, <laughs> yeah i'm glad but, yeah nah, uh, nah. <laughs> but you know in terms of plot points we, we pick up pretty much from the last episode where we had those three deaths that uh, i guess we determined were related to a fey cult and you know the theme and the, at least at the beginning about finding somebody to trust. And, and, you know, I guess we certainly can see that in Bo. Uh, we hear it from Cassie. And, you know, I think to a certain extent, that's Mark's problem. And I guess I, I want to start out, Wayne. Has there been a bigger dick than Mark? You know, we work with adolescents. So, and I think we mentioned last week that uh, that frontal lobe not really developed at this point. And so, you know, he's just, uh, he's, Doing a lot of impetuous young person type things. And yes, right now, he's a big dick. But we kind yeah. of all are, I think, at that age. And I always like to say I'd hate for anyone to judge me on what I was like as a teenager. So, Oh, yeah, I know what you're saying. But And, and look, I, I get that he's had a rough life. And, and, you know, I start thinking about I'm wondering whether some of it, for me, is the casting choice of Luke Billick, who, I, I, and like you said, I don't want to judge an actor by the role that he's been given. You know, he's not writing the lines. He's sure. just reading the lines. Right. But, but so right now I'm really having a difficult time liking him. Of course, maybe that's what I think that's, you know, I think that's what they want though. I don't, you're not expected to like him. I, I think he's supposed to be, he is, you, you are right. He's genuinely unlikable, you know, for the most so, part. Um, yeah. And he has and, some moments, you know, but I think he is unlikable. I think the actor is, do it because you got to think as an actor, you're like, well, I want people to like me. You know, I want to get more gigs. And if everyone hates my character, then am I going to get more acting jobs? But he's doing a really good job of playing this kind of fairly, you know, unlikable character. Yeah. And, you know, that's something that may be changing because, uh, you know, in the past, you know, even before we went on the air and you were mentioned about not liking Robert Redford in uh, the Captain America movies because, 
he's a bad guy there. And, and we're so used to really grasping onto his characters who are generally always good, uh, good guys. But, and I, I mentioned Eric Roberts a few podcasts ago when he played in that movie star 80, which where he was such a despicable character. And, and I think there was a lot of discussion at the time that that may have cost him a lot of roles Really? Because he was just such a hateful character, but I think that's changed. You know, yeah. Well, now that, I think actually what did it was playing the master in the Doctor Who movie. That that's what brought him that's, forward. That, or that's that's, what, that's what, what ended it. That people couldn't. He just couldn't play any heroic parts after that. Well, yeah, I guess you're right. No, um, I don't know. <laughs> well, who knows? But but you know, and, Star, and I, just, really, I was insinuating Star is a much bigger movie than the Doctor Who movie. You know that. Well, that's debatable. <laughs> We'd have to go back and look at the numbers, but but you know the the term that I just. I really don't like, uh, I, I even maybe will use the word loathe, and that is the big bad to describe the bad guy, mm-hmm. to describe the villain. Uh, I just can't stand that. But anyway, you know, nowadays I think it's more acceptable to play that kind of role, but who knows? Well, uh, Mark is not the big bad by a long shot. And that's one thing that's kind of like, like at the end of this episode, I'm still thinking, like, I mean, you, you said how they picked up where the last one left off. I mean, they kind of did, but when you really think about making any progress as far as what's going on, we they they ha- I mean, they have, but they haven't. Like, you could tell they're really going for the long play here, you know, the slow burn, where we're just going to get things a little bit at a time. And like, for example, still not seeing Hades. For right. you know, this is like now we're into the third season where he's been this kind of demonic presence. We assume in the back, but yet we haven't even seen the actor who's playing Hades. Right, and even Bo though says she still hasn't seen him. Right, right, right. We know Tamson has, but right, yeah, right. Because Tamson met him because he she mentions the eyes and everything. So that's you know, obviously this season is not at all for the person just say, hey, this show lost girl. I think I'm going to start watching. Like, cause you're going to come and you'll be like, what? Uh, what's, I don't understand this. You know, so th- this is definitely serialized, right? Sure. Like, th- th- there's no, at least so far, there haven't been any, like, real monster of the week things. Everything has been kind of, we know it's adding up and adding up a little bit towards the, the final game, whether they're going to have a big, you know, I imagine they're going to have some kind of big, Leading up to, I assume it's leading up to episode eight, you know, the, for the mid-season finale here. But who knows? You know, they could be playing this over the entire sixteen. Yeah, you never know. And and uh, you know, I think I don't want to minimize the case of the week, if you will, which is to obviously find out uh, who took Cassie, and as it turns out, the other two oracles. But even that is part of the you know, longer story arc with the fake cult. And I think we certainly can see where, where that's headed. And, and like you said, yeah, it's moving a little more slowly than we're used to. But, you know, on the other hand, I think that's okay. So, well, opening scene, Bo's at home and it's her birthday. And she's got a birthday card from her dad. But she also received, as she says, literally the birthday gift from hell. From hell, yeah. And that was nice. And, you know, it's this carved wooden box that she's kind of puzzling over as as we're puzzling over. And you see that that kind of interlocking design that's on the side that uh, 
um, you know, generally uh, is associated with evil. But uh, again, we don't see her open the box or anything, right? Right. Don't open it. <laughs> For crying yeah. out loud, don't open it. Like, yeah. like but, do you read uh, nothing? I mean, not, you know, obviously she's read enough of her Greek mythology to know that I am definitely not going to open this box just yet. Yes. Can you say Pandora? Right. Um, or can you say Pandorica? Yeah. Oh, nice. Because right? it kind of looks like the Pandorica from Doctor Who, right? It, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And you guys can look up your Doctor Who reference there. Yeah. Um, well, she's looking for advice, so she calls an Oracle friend, Cassie, who I had forgotten about the fact that she was in season one. Yeah, so she's, is, she goes way back, man. Yeah, yeah. She's out on a first date, blind date with this guy that she clearly is not really into. We find out that she's you know been using this uh, dating service. I think they called it Fay Date. Fay Date, yeah. And uh, but basically, she tells Bo, "Look, I'll, I'll meet you at the doll the next day, and we'll get all of this sorted out." She implies that her own love life is less than ideal, and she sort of like implies that it has something to do with her being an oracle. So I guess what that uh, she can immediately see whether a guy is going to be good for yeah, her. Yeah, it's like I know you're just going to blow me off. So, <laughs> um, but I, I, at first I thought that, but then it appears that she's just like used to people just wanting to get their readings. Right, mm-hmm. and so she's like, "All right, come on." You know, it's almost like she's giving into like, "All right, I'll have sex with you. I really don't want to, but whatever. What the hell?" You know, like it's almost the same thing with the okay. Let's just get this over with. Let's just do the reading. And then when he doesn't want to have a reading done, she's like, "Really?" Yeah, it was almost like she was insulted. I don't know if it's insulted more than surprised. And then that's where it really turns for her. She starts to think, "Oh, now I'm kind of into this guy." Yeah, so right, so they go back to her place. Um, he kisses her at the door, and, and she was apparently pretty into the kiss, but then he says he's a gentleman and leaves. And then moments later, she starts experiencing intense headaches, and, and you know, obviously we see what the aftermath of that was. Right. Which it was not pretty. No, not pretty at all. Yeah, I, you know, obviously I'm person watching a television show so you're almost screaming through the screen you know cassie come on you know totally do not trust this guy um but uh you know what would dramatic irony be for if if not for that and so yeah well i mean clearly this guy's got a larger role and you know horatio 55 i mean is it absurd to think that this might be bo's father I don't think that's absurd because especially at that last scene where it shows like his coat jacket sleeve uh-huh. first and and it seems similar to uh, the Wanderer type coat jacket, you know, that, that was wearing. Uh, and then it shows him and I, I don't think so. I don't, I don't okay. think it's him. I think he's just another minion uh, okay. and that uh, because because he didn't like know her, right? Like he he thought she was uh, she thought um, her by her I mean Bo he didn't know Bo at first he uh, right. he thought that she was an oracle yeah which was one of the questions that I had it's like how can anybody in the Fay community or rather the Fay colony not know about Bo I mean she's the chosen one yeah yeah good point but uh, either way all right so you know we we've kind of got two stories and the secondary one I think revolves around mark and his assimilation into fey life and fey culture 
And the other, you know, like, like I said, I don't want to minimize the case of the week, but it's really about Bo's continued journey. And, and it just happens that she's investigating the death of Cassie, a.k.a. Cassandra, who as an oracle was able to see the future, but but her curse was that nobody believed her. Right. So, uh, all right. Well, like we said, it's Bo's birthday and at the doll, <laughs> Trick gives her that, mu- I guess it's a mummified finger. Yeah, yeah, it's a finger. Because you said, you totally gave me the finger, right? Yeah. Which is, yeah, clever line that it belonged to Alexander the Fay, Right. And, I, you know, I, I, obviously with the cat that we'll talk about in a minute, does the finger have magical qualities? I don't know. I Who guess is? supposed to. I, I assume we're going to see, you know, somewhere down the line, you know, the, the finger is going to be used. Because it's just, it's not even a funny joke, you know, like. Right. It's not. And, and you know what? There are a lot of jokes in this one that i'm just not finding them funny. yeah some of them got kind of old like the one Um, what tamson was just like oh when you know i suck things i got popular it's like yeah right really like come on there were a couple others sometimes i just try too hard now we've been talking for the last few weeks about the relationship that's been developing between not only tamson and Bo, which obviously moves a couple steps forward but but surprisingly the one between Tamson and Lauren and the two of them are walking down the street, lamenting the fact that they've both forgot Bo's birthday and that they're terrible. But, but there's this, this camaraderie that, that the two of them are showing. Yeah. Which is weird because it goes flips kind of back and forth between this camaraderie at one point And then this competition, at least, you know, what I noticed from Tamson's level this competition for Bo that Lauren is just like, dude, chill out. You know, like Lauren is actually being much more mature about this than Tamsin is. Uh, like when they're walking through the woods and, you know, Tamsin's bragging about how she's getting close with Bo and Lauren's just like, hey, you know, let's focus on helping out Bo here. Well, you know, it's funny you say that and I don't disagree, but it's almost like Lauren's giving up to a certain extent. And it's almost like, you know, why is she letting Tamsin bully her about who gets to go with Bo when they want to check out what happens to Cassie and, and things like that? So, Well, in that case, actually, that Lauren kind of got bit by her own plan there because, remember, she had told Tamsin to distract Bo while she went back to the clubhouse to get it ready for the party. Right. So that was like the whole thing. Like, Tamsin's just like, oh, remember, I got to go with her because you got to get, you know, so... Well, you know, well, anyway, all right. So they're walking down the street. They stop at this antique store. The stuffed cat immediately catches Tamsin's eye, and it supposedly brings luck to its owner and those around it. Tamsin gives her the cat. Lauren gives her a ceramic frog, which she immediately drops and breaks. And I don't know. It, I mean, is that significant? Is that indicative of their, you know, fracturing relationship? Or am I going way too far? <laughs> you could be. I, I I think at a very basic level, it's indicative of Lauren's string of bad luck that's going to go on throughout this episode here. Yeah, well, good point. Yeah, um, because because I don't want to get you know like with Lost where everything means something, but uh, you know, I mean, uh, the writers had her drop it and break it. Right. For a reason, but you're, you're probably closer to... Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, what I say is more on like a literal level and probably, yeah, on a metaphorical level, I would agree that 
that here she's trying to give this gift and it breaks. And so is, is that not indicative of their relationship? It absolutely is. Yeah, and whether so. the writers intended that or not, I mean, it, that works very well. So I'm with you, Dave. All right. Well, anyway, they get to Cassie's apartment and clearly it's been a bloodbath. Yeah, there's blood on the walls. You know, they, they talk about getting blood samples to Lauren. And then I guess we're to assume, I mean, we know that, that Cassie gouged out her own eyes. Are we to assume it was with that ice cream scooper? Ooh. Is that what that was? Oh, I don't know. I didn't catch that. All right. Well, Bo calls Pythia, again, another historical oracle. This was the oracle of Delphi, who uh, whose prophecies were supposedly inspired by Apollo. And Dodona, one of the most respected oracles of ancient Greece. I guess those are the other two oracles that we later find chained to Cassie in that... Uh, that underground dungeon. And I, you know what? I forgot to look it up, but it, it, to me, it was reminiscent of that scene. Remember when Bo was in that little underground cavern and she ended up playing that, uh, that quiz game with the woman, uh, gosh, she tricks her into, you know, uh, you know, which one do I love the oh, most? Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, uh, you know, you mentioned Lauren back at the clubhouse, getting ready for the party and 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 again i guess the irony lauren can concoct some sort of serum that will turn a fey human but she can't bake a damn cake right well but right. again she's she's just having like this string of bad luck that we you know assume that bo's good luck that she's drawing from the black cat is or what I assume was then, you know, having this transverse effect on Lauren uh, was draining her, you know, her luck in order for her to have good. I don't know. No, you're probably right, and I mean that's part of the irony of the title. I guess it's your lucky, uh, it's your lucky Faye, and that uh, yeah, where Bo's getting good luck at the expense of Lauren. So yeah, yeah, that's that's probably it. Yeah. So I just saw it's just a string of like not necessarily that Lauren's a crappy cook, but just that you know she's just been you know snake bit basically we get back to the case of the week and we find out that Bo is going to sign up for this dating site and we've got tamson taking sexy photos of Bo on the bed so that they can create some sort of a dating profile her and uh is tamson enjoying herself a little bit too much a little too much yeah <laughs> yeah definitely yeah um and then all of a sudden Bo starts purring yeah right all right well which at, at the time i'm like yeah, I, I, I didn't really catch it, but then with the, her continuing feline uh, attributes uh, manifesting themselves, I went back like, oh, yeah, okay, the purring was the first one. Got it. Right. So, And I guess we're led to believe that uh, Tamsin is also a computer hacker because clearly they've gotten into her profile. Horatio 55 was the last guy to contact Cassie. So Tamsin tries to create Bo's profile to, you know, more or less mirror Cassie's to attract the same guy, which it, it even amazed them. It didn't take long for him to uh, to call in. But the other thing was there there were a number of serious discussions, and there were becoming more and more of them between Bo and Tamsin. And you know, when she asks that question about you know what's your greatest aspiration, and Bo just says to find people I can trust. Which yeah. apparently was the same thing, same for, thing Cassie. for Cassie, and you right? Yeah. Right, and you certainly understand that from an oracle, and you certainly understand it from Bo, who's 
designated as the chosen one. You know, it's for, for her to say that, though, at this point, it seems like a little like, where's that coming from? Especially when just um, like two episodes. Bo. Yeah, for Bo, right. Uh, Cassie, I can totally see it. But for Bo, I mean, she's got a pretty strong support group behind her, you know. Um, and like, you know, with Dyson and Trick and Lauren, and Lauren and yeah, Lauren and Tamsin that, you know, she's got quite a few people that she you know, can I think can feel pretty comfortable trusting. So I, I'm I don't I'm not quite getting that from Bo per se. Yeah, good point. And and even surprisingly, Vax, you know? Yeah, right, right, right. Though Which, you can't trust him at all, but you know. Uh, you know, I I know what you're saying and, and maybe I'm being naive, but I think when push comes to shove, I think he would have Bo's back. Well, we'll see. But it, it, we cut to some sort of a dungeon and Cassie apparently has tried to call Bo on her cell phone because, uh, you know, I guess Bo's phone indicates that the call's from Cassie. But somebody sledgehammers it before she can say anything. Yeah, which leads you to say, um, why didn't you do that before? <laughs> yeah, why, well, good point. Why, why, didn't she have, why didn't you smash her phone? Like, If you're going to smash her phone, you probably should have taken care of that, like, you know, before, uh, you know, you, like, locked her up in the basement or whatever so just saying i understand it's all for the it's a plot point but you know i'm nitpicking yeah no and i think rightly so all right well anyway so tamson's playing bartender uh while bo is waiting for her date bo starts lapping her drink yeah (laughs) okay and so now the uh you know the feline attributes are coming fast and furious yes or fast and furious Oh, oh, nice. Ouch. That's your second tonight, man. <laughs> uh, all right. Horatio shows up, and then she starts grooming herself, right? Licking her yeah. fingers. And, yeah. <laughs> that was that was good. That was very funny. I mean, the yeah. lapping was funny, too, but you know, the grooming itself was... Yeah, but the interesting thing is, is, as the viewer, we clearly know something's wrong with her, but she's still cognizant enough to know that the reason she's there is to find out what happened to Cassie, and none of that seems to you know, impair her intellectual capacities. Right. Well, you know, cats are pretty smart though. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, Good point. Well, she suck, you touches him. And then what was the deal with her hands? I couldn't exactly were her hands turning feline. Yeah. They started to grow fur on them and stuff. Okay. And then, I mean, obviously the eyes uh, were were the final thing. I think the final thing was the tail. Oh, right. <laughs> when they're walking yeah. down the path. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right. Well, we find out that the cat they gave her is called an Itvaris. And turns out it's a Lithuanian house spirit that steals luck and wealth from its adopted owner. Uh, and, of course, the fear is that the spirit will take over Bo permanently. And, you know, of course, we're thinking, like, why, why not just destroy it? But And I can't remember if it's Lauren that says you, you can't destroy it while it's feeding Bo luck because obviously that would kill Bo or at least that's the feeling yeah. wisdom at the time. I like Bo's plan. Drive the car blindfolded <laughs> and we'll just let blind luck right. yeah. lead her to Cassie. Literally, right? Right, right. So Tamsin jumps in first, gets shotgun, and then again, like Lauren, it's almost like reluctantly jumps in the back. And well, very much reluctantly because you know Lauren looks at this and says, "This is stupid, right? Like, <laughs> really? You driving a car blindfolded? Like seriously?" Uh, but 
you know, again, Tamsin's kind of preening and bullying uh, forces her to, to get in the car. And she doesn't want to be the, you know, the, the square, the, you know, like, I don't know. It's it's still this, this. So that's what I'm saying. It seems like there is still some kind of competition there uh, between, like, I don't think Lauren's completely given up on Bo. Okay. Why she bring the cat? <laughs> yeah, well, because Lauren was the doubter, right? They, they they said that the reason why she was having such bad luck is because she didn't buy into the the power of the cat. So maybe she figures either a she needs to prove that she has belief in this thing, or b uh, that uh, she just needs to keep the cat near Bo in order for Bo's luck to continue. I don't know. I, I, yeah, I thought it was notable that she, they took the, the cat, too. I, I, th- I thought it was just funny, actually, for the most part. Well, Bo did okay driving blindfolded. And, you know, they get to their destination. And the three of them get out. And, and Tamsin and Lauren are following Bo. And then this is the scene where, as you mentioned uh, a little bit ago, that Tamsin has to tell Lauren, you know, Bo and I are really getting a lot closer. And, you know, it's more than just being roommates. And again, why? I mean, well, I guess we know why. It's just, it's still a little surprising that, that you know, just fine. You guys are getting closer. Just sh- shut up. Keep going. Right. You, know, you don't have to tell Lauren everything. Yeah. But I think that, you know, Tamsin's, that's part of the game. You know? I guess. But you know, the other thing, and I, I, I mentioned this a couple uh, podcasts ago, I wonder, does any of it have to do in the back of the, her mind that, you know, Lauren's got this this power over the Fae. I don't know. It's, it's, it's almost like the elephant in the room that nobody wants to speak about. Yeah. I, I, it could have something to do with that, you know, because you're right. It is. Why would you need to gloat about your relationship with Bo in front of Lauren? Like, you know, just right. yeah, like you said, yeah, just in, enjoy your relationship, you know, um, why do you have to go to her I don't even know what to call Lauren in, in relation to this this relationship, but you know why why gloat about it? why you know print, go back to Prince Oberyn right yeah you got the mountain down don't sit there over him and gloat just finish him off right yep absolutely sorry for anyone who hasn't seen uh, season four of Game of Thrones but that's your fault yep yep <laughs> and maybe the most gruesome death scene I've ever watched yeah oh and ironically it has to do with the eyes yep it does Um, all right well anyway Bo falls through the ground into that underground cavern i was talking about a little bit ago finds cassie two other oracles chained together eyes plucked out you know very yocasta like with the blood dripping down and well i I think it was oedipus popped out his eyes yocasta well oedipus popped out his eyes Oh right, right. He takes the uh, the the brooches from her right. gown. That's right. While she's hanging there, and right. Uh, right. But still, right. it ties in because yeah. after that, he is seen as a symbol of luck, right? I mean, that's like the part of Oedipus at Colonus is that he becomes a talisman of fortune, right? Right. Um, and so that kind of ties in with the whole theme of the uh, of of this episode. Right, and the fact that we've got now three blind oracles. I mean, you, you bring. Perhaps the most, um, I don't know, is it fair to call Tiresias an oracle or is he just simply a seer? Uh, I would probably just say just a seer, but what's the difference really? Well, I guess yeah. the oracle, well, oracle is going to be a female, right? And Yeah. Um, and there, like you said, there was just the three, right? Yeah. And so, um, 
but but still yeah that i that the idea of the person who is physically blind but able to see beyond that is that's you know there's loads of those in movies and literature and everything so yeah and we'll see if that's going to play part of the story arc as we wind down to the mid-season finale um all right so we're back at the clubhouse Dyson now has Seymour, who it turns out paid Horatio 55 for info on Cassie. And he manipulates. It took it took uh, Bo and uh, Tamsin's there, too, I think. It took them a couple seconds to figure out what Dyson was actually trying to do, which was to get Seymour to snort the cat. Uh, and right, that's which is basically... All they could do, he's like kind of doing, almost doing the wink-wink. And, you know, he could really, you know... It was like, come on, like, figure it out, people. Like the the me sitting at home figures it out. You, you know, but I guess yep. they, they played out to kind of more slightly comedic effect. They had to, you know, play it out a little bit more. So right, right, and it, and it it does have the effect that they had hoped for, which was to free Bo from the cat's clutches. And it's why am I in this box? <laughs> and we're like, okay, we got Bo. <laughs> um, all right. Well, Lawrence got Cassie. Um, now and, and tells Dyson that there's not much she can do that that they you know there are no eyes you know the the ocular I forget what they're called ocular something or you know the, her eyes are missing yeah. so there's not much I can do we've got three oracles with no eyes and then the realization that Horatio 55 is Kevin Brown one of the dead bodies from the elevator crash so obviously one of the questions we have to ask is where are the other two and I'm sure we're going to find out yeah. probably next week yeah soon enough I'm sure though so every time we've said that that we haven't so yep all right now I guess in in the big scene that Docubus fans probably ran away screaming from uh Bo's reclining on her couch Tamsin comes in wearing a silk bathrobe proclaiming I'm bad at birthdays, uh, you know, gives Bo that cupcake that, that she bought from some cupcake place, but apparently it's pretty amazing cupcake because Bo is certainly not, uh, faking her enjoyment of it. I guess it wasn't that good though. Well, she says, if there's something better than this, I've not encountered it. Tamsin removes her robe, revealing a red bow that's tied around her, uh, Chest. important, important parts, shall we her say? Her girl bits. Yes, and uh, still feeling lucky, and as she takes the bow off, and Bo responds, "Happy birthday to me." Um, <laughs> right. So, but at this point, now what is notable here is all that is actually kind of it's actually a fairly well done scene like that. But not that I'm saying we need it, but where they would usually go with this is they would show the sex, right? Yeah, and 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 uh, I think Lost Girls actually kind of. Well, they, there, there was the one with uh, uh, Persephone and Bo, right? But otherwise, they've kind of been steering away from that. Like yeah, it's true. happening off screen now, rather. Which you know, I don't know if standards and practices have been cracking down on them or something. But well, you wonder because as and I hadn't really thought about that, but you're you're absolutely right. But as that you know, the the overt graphic sex scenes are decreasing. You know, it's all the dialogue is increasing, you know, the, the sexual innuendos in the dialogue is increasing. Mm -hmm. So, but this scene turns out to be even more important than just the sex, you know, because afterwards 
you know, Tamsin tells Bo that she knows that Bo is sad and, 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 you know, Bo, you know, they have this really serious conversation where Bo tells her it's because she was born in hell and my father's Hades. And for Bo to have to come to grips with that is one thing. And, but we also know that Tamsin's got to come to grips with what she's done, which was, you know, making that deal with Bo's father. Right. And, but you know, at least the, the cards are all kind of up on the table between them and like this very honest type relationship that they have, which actually what I thought was the really funny part about not necessarily funny, but you know, we're talking so much about Tamsin as Kenzie's kind of replacement, but clearly that's not the case. Right. Yeah. It's a totally, totally different relationship. So different. Right. Um, and, uh, and that was really kind of hit home here is that, yeah, this is, we are way different from, because, you know, Kenzie and Bo was always totally platonic um, because she was human, right? And it couldn't be anything but, but not there was never even a hint of, of sexual tension between those two, um, where from word one, there's been loads of it uh, between Tamsin and Bo. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, you wonder to what extent Tamsin's going to help Bo get through this, uh, whether it's to arrange a meeting with her father, if that's in fact even what Bo wants. I mean, Bo tells her she still hasn't talked to her father, says that she realizes he'll always be part of me and he'll always be able to find me. And we're not sure if she thinks that's a, a good thing, bad thing. It sounds like she thinks it's a bad thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. But, you know, it's funny, like kind of looking over Hades' portrayal in mythology that he's Obviously, he's got kind of a bum rap being like the lord of the underworld, and that stealing Persephone thing was always kind of, that's that's not a good thing. But for the most part, he's not like this vindictive god going after people and smiting them and things like that. In, in other words, he's, he's not really a bad guy. Uh, and even in the Percy Jackson, he was kind of like, he wasn't great, but he wasn't like a, a bad, bad guy. So so the question is, is, is Hades here, is he really bad? Yeah, I mean, are they set, setting us up for this this total reversal? Right, I think they are. Well, that'd be pretty cool. I wouldn't mind that. Um, but, but you know, in this conversation, as uh, Tamsin's trying to, again, I think assuage some of her own guilt and sadness as well as helping Bo, she tells her that she used to think that Freya controlled her, but no longer. And, you know, Bo asks her, well, you know, what did you do? And she says, I got angry. You know, and, yep. and and basically just took control of my own life, and that Bo's got to find a way to separate herself from her father, and as Bo says, so that I can protect my true family of, of course, uh, you know, Tamsin, Lauren, and Trick, and Dyson. Yeah, and and I, I was thinking of, I know this is kind of a maybe obscure reference, but you know, Elie Wiesel's speech, uh, the, the Perils of Indifference, he gave at the White House, and. In 1999, but in, in that he talks about how like the worst thing ever is to be indifferent, to not care about other people, to not to not concern yourself with other people's suffering. Um, and he say in that indifference is worse than hate. Hate can actually produce positive things. You do things because of hate. You know, you do something positive. You create a work of art, or in this case, Tamsin's anger. She uses it to you know fuel her change and to to um emancipate herself from the valkyries and and here she's going to kind of use it and bow and uh together are going to use that anger and that hate 
to you know go after a bad guy. Yeah, and, and Bo, you know, kind of ends that whole conversation by saying that she knows her father's trying to use for her for something, and she thinks it's something terrible. So you know, whether it is or not, whether it turns out to be, we don't know, but we certainly understand her feeling that way for sure. Yeah. All right. Now, you know, the other storyline deals with Mark and, and his assimilation into Faye life. And, and obviously, as I said at the outset of the podcast, I'm not a big fan. Stereotypical, angry young man. Uh, Trick's giving him a job. But what's he doing? Whatever he can to scam the system, skim profits, uh, annoy the customers. And, you know, and I did like the scene when he challenges Vex for not paying. Right. And. And Vex, Vex lets him know that he's wise to Mark scamming. Yeah, and then they they see the 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 women folk there. Oh yeah, right. So so the two, now as it turns out, uh, the one girl, the girl that came back, right, the second time, she was apparently involved in a love triangle with Luke Billick on Degrassi. So this was not their second love triangle. Oh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now again, that's that's uh, the benefit of having Taltos send us the <laughs> screen caps from the enhanced version right. because I would have no way of knowing that otherwise. Right, but I just said it's a whole another level of meaning to that scene. Then yeah, 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 right, right. I mean, and and I like that kind of stuff. I like the you know the castle when he makes a reference to Firefly. I mean, I love that uh-huh. stuff. Yeah. All right. So the two girls come on to him. One of them has, a, I guess, a lizard tongue. But uh, obviously, we learn it's a distraction so that they can steal Trick's ledger. Obviously, they're working for Horatio. Uh, and it contains all the names of all the Fae that have come through their colony. And he makes some sort of a comment, Trick, that is, I, I think it was Trick, about the signatures uh, holding some sort holding of power. power. Right. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure how that works. And like you, you know, you mentioned a while ago about you know not really knowing who Bo was because he comes to the name at the end of the episode. You know, Bo Dennis. You know, nice try, succubus. So not sure what that's all about. Yeah, obviously. I have no idea what that's about at all. Though. But anyway, afterwards, uh, Mark gets into a fight with the boyfriend, and it takes Vex coming to his defense. And I, I still, I mean, he's just a well yeah I, I, I won't well he can't fight his own battles and he just no. causes problems and he you know i mean all right so you're going to go and have sex with two other girls great congratulations don't go to the place where the ledger is with all the phase names on it you know that you just right. learned a little bit ago is like super important right or don't taunt the boyfriend right but uh i get that he's angry with Dyson. Okay, I get that, even though he shouldn't be, because Dyson didn't know. But Trick gave you a job, presumably gave you somewhere to stay, and this is how you repay him? Okay, I guess. Well, anyway. Well, I, I just think probably his his life up to now has been, like we said before, like just as a kind of a scam artist. So he's t- taken advantage of people his whole life and probably figures, well, because of what's happened to me, I have no problem take advantage of others you know that's life life is tough and the you know the the people who who are able to take advantage of it the most win and so that's basically his life experiences have taught him that and so even with people who are kind to him he takes their kindness as there's just something else i can take advantage of well dyson's clearly not happy that mark got into the fight but he's even 
angrier that Vex got involved. And it's kind of funny when we realize that Vex did not make the connection. So unlike Trick and Tamsin, he did not know that Mark was Dyson's son. And, you know, we go through that whole, you stay away from him and, and, you know, all of that. Dyson's showing a tremendous amount of patience with young Mark. I mean, it's, it's because he's still, you know, saying really mean things to, to Dyson and, and about everybody that Dyson cares about. But Dyson clearly knows that the ledger's missing. What about the scene with Lauren getting the, uh, Getting face planted yeah. in the cake. Well, again, it's just kind of her. She's having her a bad luck. really string of really bad luck. Yeah, this and poor Lauren, and, and then of course she gets something like, "Oh, it was supposed to be vanilla." Yeah, like yeah. they got the wrong cake and everything. So, all right, but then Mark accuses Dyson of being a yes man. Dyson calmly tells him, "You know, you have a birthright. You're soon going to have to choose." And I assume he means light or dark. Although you know that even seems to be kind of nebulous at this point right like like Bo though he says i choose myself you're either the boss or the bitch which one are you he asks dyson yeah and, and that's such you know like how young people have a very polarized view of the world right it's yeah. either all one thing or all the other and there's no in between and you know so i just think it's it's funny that he sees you know Dyson as as the bitch and like that's just crazy you know but he yeah. doesn't know him right he just knows him on a superficial level and so his assessment of of Dyson is is superficial as well yeah all right well the uh the girl that I mentioned that uh, the actress's name is Shanice Banton uh with whom he had the love triangle in Degrassi so she comes back ask, and he asks about the ledger because he realizes now that he's been played and she asks him what kind of shifter he is. And it's almost like the first sense of humility we've seen out of him because he's sort of embarrassed that he doesn't know. And then she mentions something about that she serves her keepers. Is she got something to do with Bo's father? Well, didn't, didn't she say that the keepers were her parents? Well, she says that, but I thought that was kind of in reaction to you know, almost like, oh, that's what I, you know, I don't want to go that deep into the truth. Right. Yeah, yeah so, it could be. So I don't know. I thought they were trying to set it up as like this scene with the girl who stole the ledger now comes back to have this meaningful conversation with Mark and which she encourages him to basically kind of make peace with his parent. And that just all seemed like very confusing to me. So, um, but I think it is a step for someone saying, you know, grow up. You're, if, if someone's trying to help you, let them help you. Your parents aren't bad. You think they're bad, but you know you get older, you get more mature, and you realize everything that they've done for you, and you know, and you appreciate it. Yeah, and I guess at this point, the question is, when's he going to shift, and into what? Because apparently, it's not a a, a done deal that he'll shift into a wolf like Dyson. So, yeah, you know, we'll see. All right. Well, the final scene we see Lauren with Cassie at the clinic and, and, you know, tells Cassie she's safe there. Which is funny because didn't someone just get killed there? Yes, they did. <laughs> so her, her definition of safe is probably a little bit different than most people's. All right. Well, then she, Cassie, that is, has that line about, you know, that she saw every single moment since the beginning of time. Now I feel like I'm in a Doctor Who episode. Yeah, yeah. Definitely got Doctor Who-ish there for a little bit. 
it was too much, the beginning, the end. And, and you know, then we, I go back to the title of episode eight, which is the mid-season finale, End of Fay, or uh, End of Phase, which is obviously a play on End of Days. So, is it? you know, did she see the end there? So I don't know. Yeah. And that, yeah. And then that's obviously when we get the reveal that that uh, that she plucked her own eyes out. It was the only way to make it stop. Right. Well, which is if we go back to Oedipus, which we mentioned before. I mean, why did he pop out his own eyes it's again? Because the the horror of of what his, the realization of his whole life and the horror of of everything was just too unbearable for him. Uh, and so the same thing, you know, with uh, with Cassie here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, it's funny. I, I really like this episode. And, and, and again, I've spoken many times about my increasingly short attention span where I can uh, barely watch a film, let alone. <laughs> but, uh, you know, these are, I, I'm, I'm sitting down watching them. I'm like, like realizing like, man, I'm 20 minutes in. I didn't take any notes yet. Uh, so, so I really like this episode. Yes, they're moving a little more slowly than we're used to. But like you mentioned, there there is this longer arc, and I, I, obviously, I think they're going to pick up the pace a little bit as we get to episode eight. So, well, I don't think it's it's necessarily a slow pace because things are going at a pretty heavy clip here. Um, it's just we keep thinking, okay, who's that lady in the elevator? Who? Where is Hades? Things like this, some kind of big issue type things that we kind of anticipate. You know, I think I've said the last two episodes. Oh, well, we're going to definitely find out who the lady is in the elevator, and uh, you know, and that still really hasn't happened. Um, but and I'm not really complaining about that. I think that's fine. I think the episodes themselves move very quickly, and there's a lot happening there. But it's just you know this the revelations of the larger picture, the larger arc are are coming, you know, piecemeal. All right. Well, good episode. Thanks for joining us tonight. And if you'd like to send some feedback, we'd love to hear from you. Emails to fatalistpodcast at gmail.com or voicemails via SpeakPipe, which you can access through the Fatalist website. We'll be back next week to talk about Lost Girl Season 5, Episode 6, Clear Eyes, Fay Heart. But until then... So... You know, someone the other day asked me about you know, doing a podcast with you, Dave, and I said, I told him, I said, no matter how hard I try to get away from him, no matter how much good I try to do, he will always be part of me, and he will always find me. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs>